Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include, but are not limited to, professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Viewer discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ, therefore, forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin, and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bashed, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. We are your hosts, Harrison Carrig and Pastor Tim Mullet, and today we seek to answer the age-old question, should wives obey their husbands like a child would obey a parent? Now, we've had a lot of pushback from um, plenty of the episodes that we've put out over the last several weeks, and normally the pushback comes from pagans, from you know, the unsaved, people who don't understand the Bible, who don't re- uh, recognize that there's a God that they should submit themselves to. They uh, want to rebel at every turn. So obviously they reject the things that we have to say that are coming from clear scripture references. But uh, I suspect that a topic like this, should wives submit to their husbands, should they obey their husbands? I've seen plenty of times where even Christians push back against this idea. They get really riled up by this thought that uh, women should actually be obeying their husbands. And so, Tim, why don't we just start off by you explaining uh, what the impulse is behind the wording of our title question, should wives obey their husbands like a child would obey a parent? Well, it, it is an outrageously offensive <laughs> title <laughs> as far as that goes. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll just uh, comment on the obedience part in general. Uh, the idea of a wife obeying her husband is an idea that really is not a new idea. The traditional wedding vows, as far as that uh, is concerned, used to be phrased uh, to include the idea of obedience. And so a bride would say, you know, I take the you know, husband to be my wedded husband to have and to hold from this day forward for better or worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, to love, to cherish, and to obey till death do us part. Uh, according to God's holy ordinance, I thereto give thee my troth, <laughs> as far as it goes. Uh, but the, the, the troth. Um, uh, that, Whatever that's that the, is. Whatever that, yeah, uh, that's the traditional w- uh, wedding vows, as far as that goes, and that's vows we've used uh, for for a long time, for a long period of time. Now, the obedience part is the kind of is the thing that's fallen out of fashion, and now I think uh, you you have different types of people in the church, and so uh, the pagans are obviously going to be offended by any idea of submission in general. The idea of submission is a dirty word. You don't you know don't go there. Don't don't say that. Um, but then, uh, 
the the idea of obedience. Now that's uh, that's the kind of thing that that does distinguish uh, Christians who are are broadly under you know what might be described as the complementarian camp or the patriarchy camp or whatever else. So so the, so the idea of obedience is an idea that's un- uniquely offensive. Uh, even to the type of Christian, to, I would say the vast majority of Christians who would consider themselves complementarian or who believe that there are biblical roles, who believe that a wife would submit to their husband. Now, the problem is obviously that with the rise of uh, you, you know a lot of the teaching on servant leadership and things like that, uh, the idea of submission really is an idea that is not um, very clearly understood in I would say for for most Christians, uh, the idea that a wife should submit to their husband, to the ones who believe that that a wife should submit, I would say for most of them, uh, the idea of submission functionally is this um, kind of arbitrary thing that God commands women. He could have, you know, made men be the one who have to submit, but it's kind of like a tiebreaker scenario where if there's ever a tiebreaker, then, you know, I guess... uh, the wife should follow her husband so long as, you know, it, he's not asking her to do anything that's too difficult and she thinks it's reasonable and <laughs> everything else. Maybe, you know, let him have the tie-breaking vote because, you know, you're at a stalemate and all that. But then the corresponding kind of teaching that goes along with that is that functionally, uh, you know, I, mean, I can't tell, me, tell you how many times I've heard pastors uh, who would would basically you know be saying that a husband should I mean they would never say it in, in exactly this way but that's this is exactly what they're saying you know it, I I uh, I'm always nervous if I'm in a situation where my wife doesn't agree <laughs> so functionally like the idea of submission is just this you know a mythical unicorn a white ele- elephant kind of thing that should functionally never happen so if you're leading well your wife should always just willingly follow and there should be never a situation where she staunchly disagrees with anything you say and so. I would say the idea of submission is a very weak idea, but then the church historically has always understood uh, submission to be, in in a lot of ways, synonymous with uh, obedience. And and there's Bible verses that we'll talk about over the course of the podcast that uh, deal with that uh, kind of subject, particularly First Peter three, uh, that use the word obey in a very specific way as it relates to the wife. And so I think it's uh, helpful to really reclaim this idea of obedience as it relates to what we're even talking about with submission. And there's a lot of ideas that go with, with that the broader category of submission or obedience that we really need to talk talk about. And so uh, basically the short answer is the idea of submission is is an idea that is very um, misunderstood and, and obedience is a clearer idea today. It gets at the nature of the kind of relationship we're talking about. Okay, so now now that we've, we've talked about why this is going to be um, probably pretty controversial, even for the uh, confessing Christians who listen to our podcast. Um, I can I can practically hear some of them screaming even now. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, basically. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you. You know what? What's the answer to this question? Should should wives obey their husbands like a child would obey a parent? This is one of those questions that's asked in a way that is so outrageous. But then, uh, logically, when you actually <laughs> when you actually think about what you're communicating, if you don't just emote, if you don't emote, then one of the things that you realize is that, I mean, obedience is obedience, right? 
I mean, obedience is obedience. It doesn't matter who does the obedience, whether it's a, you know, a servant to a master, whether it's a, you know, a uh, citizen to a king, whether it's a child to a parent, whether it's a wife to a husband. The idea of obedience is an idea that it's a concept that fits into many different types of relationships. So, I mean, essentially, the idea of obedience, no matter what the kind of relationship is, is the idea basically do what you're told, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about it that way, like like to obey is to, is for, um, like a person in, uh, uh, with, with a person who is in an authority relationship where there's a person in authority over them to obey is to do what this person who is in authority over you is telling you to do. And so there, there's no difference functionally between how a citizen would obey a king or a wife would obey a husband or a children would obey a parent. There's no difference. Like it's the same act. It just, there's different types of relationships that demand that, if that makes sense. So like, so the simple answer to the question is, well, obviously, yes, if the word obedience means anything, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then what's, what's offensive about that is that instantaneously what people hear is, you know, you're, you're, you're equating women with children or something. Like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, <laughs> with re- <laughs> I don't understand why your mind goes there. I don't understand. And I think part, you know, part like what's happening is, is that something strange has happened when your mind goes there. Uh, You're saying a wife is a child and like a wife's relationship with her husband is a parent child relationship. It's like, no, it's just, there's a feature in a parent child relationship. That's also the same in a, husband-wife relationship, one feature. There's a lot of other things that make up the relationship to make a wife relationship with a husband totally different than a parent-child relationship. But as it relates to that one area of obedience, there's no different. I mean, there's no, like, obedience is obedience, as it is obedience, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so obedience is always the same. It's the same thing. Now, the reason I think why, it, uh, you know, it's offensive is in part because... Uh, I think when it comes right down to it, I think the idea that a wife should obey her husband is offensive, period. Do you understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just an offensive idea because we're used to thinking of submission as something that's totally not obedience at all. And so I think the real offense is being taken because we we, we don't actually like the idea of obedience, period, Right. if that makes sense. Yeah, I I remember um, back years ago, I... I had a job where I worked with a guy who was, um, I guess, I think he was National Guard Reserve, something like that, where he only had to go um, a few weeks out of the year for different training events or whatever they call them. And, and the rest of the year, he was basically just a normal U.S. citizen um, who could work a, a normal job. And I remember one time we we had a conversation. He, he was a Christian um and we had a conversation about, you know, the relationships with our wives and, and, um, how they worked and, you know, um, like when it came down to application, how did we make decisions, uh, as different family units? And it's funny because I, I told him, uh, that the way that my wife and I do things is essentially, 
um, you know, I'm the one who's making who's making the final decisions on not necessarily every single thing. Sometimes I delegate, but on on most things, I'm the one making the final decision. And there is no, hey, let's compromise or or we're not going to agree or do anything. It's just I'm going to make this final decision and, and I might hear what you have to say, but then it's ultimately up to me. And now keep in mind, I'm telling this to a guy who's from the military who who understands this kind of relationship very well, right? I mean, his whole job right. is centered around uh, authority structure. Obeying your commanding officer. <laughs> right, you know. right. But, th- but then when I told him this about uh, my wife and I, he just looked at me like I was, I was a total idiot. You know, and now he was not, you know, we were, we're friends. And so he was totally nice and respectful, but you know, he pushed back against what I was saying and, and was essentially like, well, Hey, I don't, I don't do that with my wife. I, I like to, you know, try and treat my wife as an equal. And, and I was basically just one, you know, wondering, well, Hey, why doesn't, you know, why doesn't the military do it that way then if it's so wrong and, and, you know, seemingly like an evil thing to do to, um, run your family that way why does the military do it are, are they evil and there wasn't really a a good response to that but I, ju- I just found it so interesting that this guy who is very you know familiar with who understood authority yeah and, and loved it honestly i mean i mean he loved that it was so um that it was so uh succinct you can make decisions very quickly you know and you efficient had to, you had to show respect to authority and, and he really liked showing respect to authority when it came to the military. But then when it came to his own family unit, it was just a totally foreign concept. To him. Well, we li- we live in the matriarchy right now. We live in a matriarchal society. So the rules are changed. But I, I mean, like this word obey, you know, just look it up. It, it, look it up. The, the word obey means to comply with or mm-hmm. follow the commands, restrictions, wishes or instructions of. And so, I mean, that's like what what I'm trying to say. And, and I mean, <laughs> is that true of any authority relationship to comply with or follow the commands, restrictions, wishes, or instructions of like a, a wife has to obey her husband to comply with or follow mm-hmm. the commands, just like a child would have to obey a parent, just like, you know, a cadet would have to obey their commanding officer to comply with to follow the commands restrict. Like the, I mean, the thing is, obedience is obedience. It's obedience, right? right. It's just, it is what it is. Like that's what the concept means. That's what the word means. And so the question is, is that an appropriate word to use for a husband-wife relationship? Is like the question is not like, um, like you know, is that comparison you know between a husband and wife and a parent and child? Like exact in every way. The question is: Is the word obedience the same in any authority relationship? And I think the problem is we live in a Christian culture right now that that has defined um, submission in such a um, empty way that it doesn't uh, like that. It it feels like a wife should be doing something very different than obedience. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's the that's the problem. Like the word's offensive. It's the word, right? But the concept is it's like, isn't this true of any authority relationship? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. And so then is a husband and wife an authority relationship? And there are, are there features of authority relationships that are parallel in across the all, all the different relationships, right? Right. If that makes sense. Right. So, so like, just think about it this way, Harrison. So, like, ask the question this way: like, should a um, should a cadet obey a commanding officer like a citizen should 
obey a kink. Yes. But it doesn't feel near as offensive, does it? No. Why? I mean, I think it's just culturally acceptable, you know? Right. Yeah, so, but in those two comparisons, like, are they the same relationship, like a, a citizen to a king no. as a cadet? To, no. <laughs> There's differences, but what's the same is the obedience part, right? Yeah. D- does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you should be able to do that with any type of authority relationship out there and make the comparisons without all the offense if you actually understand there's something parallel in each one. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Go for it. Um, so, okay, maybe to the surprise of some of uh, the people listening, the answer is actually yes, wives should obey their husbands like a child would obey uh, uh, like a child would obey their parent. Um, so I know, I know you kind of addressed this a little bit in the opening question, what, you know, why the impulse behind the wording of this, uh, title question, but could you just explain a little more why exactly it is that, um, wives should be obeying their husbands? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, there's a variety of reasons. I mean, the Bible teaches it in various ways. So uh, there's biblical uh, passages, like direct biblical passages. Uh, one of them would be First Peter 3, which basically uses that sort of language. So there's that. Uh, do you want, uh, are you asking for biblical evidence or are you asking for uh, like God's uh, uh, purpose behind the biblical evidence? Does uh, that make sense? No, I, um, I want to I want to talk about both, but for right now, I'm just asking you why should wives um, obey their husbands from a biblical perspective? Like, are there specific commands? Are we just kind okay. of making inferences okay. based right. so off the biblical things evidence. that are said? Yeah, the biblical evidence then for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think First Peter three is a good a great place to go that just talks about this very thing. So uh, 1 Peter 3 says, Likewise, uh, wives, uh, 1 Peter 3, 1, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, uh, they notice how husbands obey too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, But that doesn't, you know, uh, no one seems to get are offended. You saying, <laughs> are you saying husbands are actually wives? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Uh, but isn't it funny though? I mean, like everyone obeys God and everyone obeys right. his word and then none of us get all indignant about it right? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. as far as that goes. But, uh, so obedience, I mean, like obedience is a good thing. Like, uh, the idea of obedience is a good thing and any kind of authority relationship in the Bible is going to ha- entail obedience. Uh, like that's just the way it works, you know, but, uh, wives be subject to your own husband. So even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of your wife. Now, uh, notice how, like th- how it starts with this, likewise, wives be subject, this be subject language, uh, to be subject is to be, uh, an individual who is placed under the authority or control of someone. It's the language of kingship, if that makes sense. So when you think about what's happening there, you have, uh, we're, we're, we're used to talking about, uh, the the idea of submission, but in First Peter you you have a Greek word that's basically hupatasmenoi uh, or hupatasmenai. Yes, y- yes. I yes. think we're all very uh, familiar with that word. 
<laughs> you should be, yes, yes. Hupatasa <laughs> menai. Now, uh, that's a word basically in this context that basically is being translated as be subject, meaning, I mean, it's like a, it's king language, it's king language, it's uh, like a subject is an individual who is, you know, placed under the authority of a, a, an authority figure, right? And so, so you, are you telling? So are you telling me that when I see the people on Twitter, you know, using using slang, saying, "Hey guys, you need to find yourself a woman who treats you like a king," they're actually they're actually recommending a biblical idea to their to their friends without realizing it. <laughs> Uh, they uh, this this may be one of those uh, that uh, this they said uh, not of their own uh, do, doing you know but uh, they <laughs> <laughs> a broken clock is right at least twice a day I guess uh, yeah yeah little did they know that that uh, they spoke better than they knew there but uh, uh, yeah no I mean so like the, you have king language there you have king like uh, you, you have king language there so um, so even some uh, do not obey the word they may be one without a word by the conduct of your wife. Now, if you go down to verse five, it says, um, basically the argument there is, you know, don't just uh, be fixated on your external appearance, but then, you know, cultivate, uh, you know, godly traits that are going to be examples of true beauty, essentially. And then verse five says, this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, like by adorning themselves with good character. But notice how, notice what it says. It says by, this is how they adorn themselves by uh, the same word, hupatasamini, they, uh, they're being subject to their husbands or submitting to their own husbands, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, then, Then notice what it says. It says, as Sarah... So what does it mean to submit to their own husbands? What does it mean to adorn, adorn themselves with godly characteristics? Uh, it, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that's frightening. So the example of godliness in the Old Testament that uh, uh, women you know, under the New Covenant should be aspiring towards is the example of Sarah, uh, who basically Abra- uh, obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, basically recognizing that he's a king over her as far as that sense and and obeying him so it's i mean i think that right there in the verse there is a, a biblical instruction that basically says we should be like sarah who obeyed abraham and like what does it mean to you know be subject to your husband it means to to obey him and and, and that's what it says mm-hmm. so so i mean i think you have a command there that's like uh that um, like a very direct like example of the Old Testament that women are told to follow. Uh, do not let your adorning be merely external, but you know the hidden uh, perishable, uh, hidden and perishable beauty. Just and the way to get that is to do follow Sarah's example of obedience. It's right there. But I mean, just you know, you know, thinking about what else the Bible says. I mean, you know, any relationship in the Bible that is an authority relationship always has this obedience element to it that's how authority relationships work mm-hmm. uh, so i mean in any relation any authority relationship if there's any authority so god's in authority over us what do we do we obey him right, right. god's words authority over us what do we do we obey it right mm-hmm. uh, y- you remember the um um uh what is that guy's name um yeah let's see i'm gonna look it up um uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, the guy who basically asked Jesus, uh, this is uh, the guy who asked Jesus to heal a servant from a distance. Basically, he says, "I also am a man under authority." Essentially, is what he's oh, saying. Oh, the Roman centurion. Yeah, yeah, the centurion. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he says, "I also." I, he he basically says, "I understand authority. I'm a man also under authority, give or take." Right. Right. And he says, and and then he says, you know, I tell one man 
to go do this and he does it, right? And mm-hmm. I tell another man to come and he comes, right? So he says, I, I'm a man who understands authority. I tell people to do things and they obey my instruction essentially, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't even have to go see my servant. You can just tell the sickness to leave essentially and it will leave because you have authority over it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's his point. And so like, and, and Jesus says, you know, I haven't seen such great faith in Israel and all that, right? Because he is the guy understood authority, but that's how authority relationships work. And so that's, so you have a direct passage like this, but that's just that's the way authority work, relationships work every time, you know. Right. So it's just it is what it is. It's just how authority relationships work. Okay. So my follow up question now is is what you thought I was asking at first, or I was wondering if I was asking why why does God? So we know that God does command women to obey their husbands. Um, just if just we don't, we should, it, you know, <laughs> or or if they don't, they should start. Um, why why exactly does god give this command i mean couldn't it just have easily have been that god said you know hey women actually uh your husbands need to obey you why why exactly is it set up this way where wives are meant to obey their husbands uh, you, you know here's an that's a <laughs> that's a pretty interesting question and it's uh the kind of question that uh it really does divide uh, the complementarian camps into different positions as far as that goes. And so it's, it's uh, th- there have been over the past few years what many have described as the complementarian debates, essentially. And um, like, you know, complementarianism as a position is basically just the idea that God made husbands and wives to be complements to each other. And in some sense, it's kind of like a marketing scheme that, you know, it used to be that uh, we talked about the patriarchy and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so feminism came along, and now everyone wants to smash the patriarchy, and, you know, the patriarchy has gotten a bad rap, and, you know, that's just all about, you know, wife spanking abusers and all that. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the guys at CBMW, you know, they um, they wanted to rebrand and call themselves complementarians. It's kind of like a move, kind of like the pro-life movement where you want to be state your position um in a more of a neutral, non-offensive kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what happened was you had a lot. You had a lot of people who basically understood that male and female are complements to each other, and then they have different roles. And you know, submission in that kind of vernacular was uh, fine. Uh, but then the problem was there's been like many people who've adopted that label of complementarian. Even someone like Beth Moore would. <laughs> Is she really calling herself? <laughs> as, egal- as egalitarian as you get, you know, like preaching on Sunday, I would want to fall under that broad rubric of. I know, didn't oh, know yeah. that. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you have all sorts of people who basically, you know, basically complementarians took over. You know, all the major conferences and everything else. That was the standard state of affairs. So everyone wants to say they're complementarian. Uh, you know, unless you're just like out in the, you know, crazy world or whatever. Uh, uh, but uh, in like reform circles, you know, complementarianism was a thing. But then the like problem was, I think it, maybe it was Piper who came along at some point and um, he was basically trying to answer the question, um, essentially, like, should, uh, you know, should women be, you know, bosses of men or you know rulers of men in terms of the political sphere or something like that right mm-hmm. and so his his answer and i can't remember specifically how he worded it but his exam his answer was essentially no and this outraged a lot of people i mean i remember when i was at uh, southern 
Sarah Palin was running for vice president and, and it was the oddest thing in the world to see, you know, the Southern Seminary making an announcement on, you know, do you, or do you believe that, that wives should submit to their husbands? Yes. Are you okay with Sarah Palin, Palin being a vice president of her country? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and so what... What happened was there was this these debates and this divide that started to happen over like individuals who thought like basically this idea of um, wives submitting to or obeying their husbands. No one would say obey because that you know that sounds too you know it's it's too mean, too mean, yeah, insulting and all that. But insulting. the idea of sub, yeah submission basically you had two camps that were formed and you had one camp which called themselves kind of soft complementarians and then one who were more you know i guess hard <laughs> or strict complementarians uh but the soft complementarians basically treated the idea of submission as something that was purely irrational meaning that there is functionally no reason why god would command uh men and women Women to submit to men, other than it just had to pick one. Like he's just makes it. making an arbitrary decision. Yeah, it's a purely arbitrary uh, choice, and so the self complementarians went that way with it. It's essentially it's just a purely arbitrary choice. But then someone like John Piper was saying, "Well, no, I think that there are ontological creational reasons, like ontological tied to someone's like the being, like your makeup, your constitution. There are there are reasons why God." made like god made men to lead and he made women to follow Mm -hmm. right (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so like so then when he says like wives follow your husbands and then he made uh you know i did not permit a woman to teach or have authority over men in church like that's tied to their ontology like who they are their their creational makeup as far as that goes there so it wasn't just some subjective choice god uniquely designed men to be leaders and he designed women to be followers uh, and, and that shows up in the way that they're made so that, you know, it wasn't just like a, a command for the church and a command for the home. And then you get to the government sphere and it's like, what do you do with, you know, or like employment in the secular workplace? You know, it's like, well, you know, I just, you know, women are good leaders, too, you know, kind of thing. It's like, well, no, like God. like So the two, two positions essentially um, divided in that kind of way. And, um, and you know, I, I when I listen to the Southern Seminary uh group you know enthusiastically supporting sarah palin i just thought to myself this is absurd i mean the bible says that a nation's under judgment when women and children rule over it <laughs> so <laughs> yeah <laughs> like so like what, what are we doing this is a shameful state of affairs this is uh embarrassing this is humiliating you know like why would that i i want my emotions tied to what the bible says but then functionally uh the the the, the answer to your question is why could god have done either way right yeah I would say no. I don't think. I think the Bible teaches that God made men uniquely to lead, and He made women uniquely to follow. And there's a variety of passages that speak to this various uh, this this very thing. I mean, I, I think you know, just to say something horribly more offensive than um, what I've already said. You know, just let's just uh, take this episode <laughs> and turn it, it into a yeah, turn it into a dumpster fire of offense here. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, look, my, like there are times in the month where my wife goes crazy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> every man knows exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, she, she's obviously um, much more sanctified than she was at the beginning of her marriage related to that. But I mean, there are, you know, there are times of the month where like, obviously women, you know, are not exactly sane, mm-hmm. you know, they're hypersensitive, they're hyper emotional. I mean, but can you imagine like a, a, a leader, like a world leader with nuclear codes or whatever, 
who has like a rough time of the month. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> wants to push the nuclear codes because the other country was, you know, horribly offensive to them and, you know, refuses to listen to what they have to say. And, you know, like, I mean, it's just like God didn't make women to lead. I'm sorry. Like, he didn't. I mean, like, creation itself bears witness to that very fact. And, you know, like, I don't have any times of the month, I, I don't, where I'm tempted towards insanity. I don't, mm-hmm. you know? Like I, I don't, and I have counseled enough women to know that this is this is a, a feature. It's not a glitch, you know. Uh, and now that doesn't mean that a woman has no um, uh, uh, no responsibility to control her emotions, you know, during um, that you know cycle of the moon and all that, and that she's just allowed to emote and everything else. And you know, I, I think that husbands who just like let their wives do that, they get like. Um, they get what they subsidize, essentially, and it gets worse. Uh, but I think mature and go- all the mature and godly women, my wife included, that I know, you know, they know that there are temptations that way, and they don't pretend like there's not there. Mm-hmm. And 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 you have conversations like if you're a mature couple who's not just you know playing the feminist game, you have conversations to say, hey, where are we at? You know, like what's going on? Like so you're, you're acting weird. You seem like you're crying for no reason a lot. <laughs> like what's going on? You know, and it's like how dare you? You know, ask if that's my. You know, it's like what I need to know. You know. <laughs> I need to know what I'm looking at here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to uh, m- make sense of what's going on, and so yes, I mean, I think it's 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 just it's just obvious um, uh, for just uh, you know biological reasons that God has made men uh, to lead. Women often uh, are much more sensitive than men, and there's often uh, there's always uh, there's often there's these situa- there's a lot of situations that um, that uh, God's put men in where men. Um, have to make decisions that are hard, you know? Mm-hmm. So because we live in a matriarchal society right now, uh, that that explains a lot of the reaction to COVID. I mean, like you look around the world, we've, we've turned into a bunch of, uh, you know, helicopter moms, and it's just insane. It's just like, you know, like we've turned into the kind of society that we can't um, bear to risk even like, you know, a 0.01% chance of death, right? Right, right. I mean, I mean, that's insane. That that's not masculine. That's not manly. That's not like sane, like right. And so, like, but that's what happens when you you're in a matriarchal society. Is that if you prioritize health and safety above all else as the number one chief priority, this is what happens. You, you, you like we you live in a society where everyone's locked in the room. I and mean, we you know we used to have a funny movie Bubble Boy where. <laughs> 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 you know, the helicopter parenting, you know, on crack. Or, but but we're doing that, you know. Like, we, we literally have gone there fully because of a matriarchal influence in our society. Mm-hmm. And so you have to – like, being a man is to, is to be able to mitigate risk, to be able to have to make tough decisions, you know, to have to, like, make decisions devoid of emotion at times and, like, that that are based on the cold, hard facts. I mean, how do you send a bunch of soldiers in to battle if you can't do that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And know what you're doing, you know. Um, and so, I mean, I, I, like, there's just, um, I mean, I just look at my own life and, and my own marriage, and you know, like, there is burdens that I've had to bear as a husband and a provider with, you know, scary situations that we've been in, and you know, God's designed men to face those, right? Right. Uh, face those and to bear those burdens, and 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 you know, I, I've never seen a couple where. Or there's very, there's very, very few and far between where, um, well, I wouldn't say I'd never seen a couple, but you know, bound balance of probability, then God's designed men to bear, you know, that kind of thing a lot better than He's designed women, and 
You know, I think by and large, uh, women are often more prone to deception than men as, mm-hmm. it, as it relates to just doctrinal heresies and everything else. And so there's just any number of creational reasons why God would do this. It's not just some arbitrary choice. It's made to our, our design. You know, God designed men to be leaders and women to be followers. And when we reject that, we get chaos or we get, you know, um, COVID soccer moms who <laughs> refuse to let him, <laughs> helicopter parents who refuse to let anyone out of their house, you know? Yeah. You, you talking about that, it made, it made me remember, um, I don't, I don't, you probably remember this too. Uh, pro, I think, I guess it was last year at some point, there were these two commercials that came out. One was an, uh, American military commercial. And then the other one was like, a russian a military commercial and and they were put side by side and in the russian one you know you have like this really heavy music playing and and then you see all these images of this dude with his head you know with his head basically shaved he's really muscular and he's he's doing all of this intense training and i mean the guy looks like he was bred in a lab you know and and he was you know made drago yeah made made for killing people right and then you flip over to the american military commercial and and it's like this animated cartoon almost like a disney cartoon where it's this girl talking about how her parents you know conquered uh basically the patriarchy by you know, being two lesbian women who were, who joined the military or something. And you just have this weird contrast of the one that looks, you know, scary. Like, I mean, I don't want to go, I don't want to be in a room by myself with this dude and, and only one of us is allowed to leave. And then the other one is like a, wait, is this even a military commercial? This doesn't seem like anything the, you would be talking about if you're meant to be someone who defends your nation from aggressors, right? And and I think that's kind of the idea that that you're presenting here is as hey, we're we're kind of reaping um, some of the consequences of enabling um, really more of a matriarchal yeah, I mean, society. A real, well, yeah, like that related to the uh, you know morally deceived kind of idea. I mean, like there's just. Um, like there's a naive kind of feminine perspective that um, you, you have a lot of female politicians and they, they just don't understand that there's evil in the world. You know, it's just like think about all the riots and all the looting and all the shootings, the police shootings and everything else. And it's just like there's um, like what what uh, a lot of these lady uh, politicians, they, they don't realize is that. You know, if you have someone who is taking your gun and trying trying to bash you in the head head with it, you know, and is high and everything else, it's just like, well, why don't you just have a conversation with them and you know, just try to talk them down and use, uh, you know, de-escalation techniques and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's just like this is coming from the kind of person who has never been in a fight before, right? Right, and never seen like the terrifying strength of someone who's like. Like a, a, a terrifying man strength, right? Mm-hmm. Like before, and it's just a naive view of the world, the way the world works. And, and it's like, I, I mean, being a man, like growing up as a man, like you, you know that there is a kind of, uh, you know, stupidity uh, <laughs> there that, like, you know, like the, there are there are evil people out there who are very very strong. You know, and if you've never been in that kind of relation, that kind of situation where you're in fear for your life, 
like it's it's not just an easy thing to subdue uh you know a 250 pound guy full of muscle right <laughs> yeah, yeah. hey you stop it you know you know and I, I saw this one video of like some european cop lady cops who were there's three european lady cops who were basically you know they with their little um batons or whatever they don't even have guns and they're trying to get this guy to you know comply with them and get in the car and like and and you know they're just like get in the car get in the car you know get in the car you know no no <laughs> you know no and then he pushes them away you know and then they come back and try to you know ease him into the car and he pushes them away you know and then finally like uh, some guy from the apartment who uh, comes down there and grabs a guy and throws him in the car for him <laughs> You know, but it's, it's that kind of thing where it's just like a, you're telling you know, me their nice words didn't convince him <laughs> they didn't do to get in the car. <laughs> they didn't do I'm anything. surprised. I'm truly surprised. Okay, so you know, I think we've, <laughs> I think we've talked a good bit about you know, uh, should should women be obeying their husbands? Why should they be obeying their husbands? I want to ask you. Um, kind of some more questions focused on the application of this idea. So I want to start with with just asking you kind of a broad, what exactly um, does this obeying look like when we're talking about a wife obeying their husband? What exactly does God have in mind when he's giving that kind of command? What does it look like? Yeah, so uh, I think the idea of o- obedience is is to comply with or follow commands, restrictions, wishes, or instructions. Uh, now, um, part of the problem is that, like with the idea of obedience, part of what I've already said is that we typically think of submission essentially as um, something that functionally should never happen, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, if a husband is leading his wife well, she'll always agree with everything he says. And so then we have, like, this servant leader kind of idea of, like, you're, you know, basically taking a word that's the opposite of leader and making it the definition of leadership. But but basically, what, one of the things that you have is like, this is this is a problem where you have a bunch of nice guys who are basically trying to, like, this is what the church is producing, a bunch of nice guys who are basically, you know, coming um, – you know, with every decision there is to make, they're trying to love their wife well. And, and what one of the things that they do is essentially they just come up to their wife and they say, hey, honey, what do you think we should do? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what they call leadership, you know, and that's what we typically and that's what a lot of young guys are doing. They're like, yeah, you know, I, I want to be a good husband. You know, I yeah, I'm a leader in some sense or whatever. But the way I'm going to lead is by serving and trying to figure out what my wife wants. And so what the, the way they approach every situation is essentially to ask her what she wants to do. So it's like, hey, honey, where do you want to eat today? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, honey, what do you think we should do about, uh, you know, I have a couple of jobs and what do you think we should do? Like, do you think I should do this one or I think I should do that one or whatever else, you know, or even if it's related to, you know, um, you know, preferences. Hey, what show would you like to watch, honey? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like we. Like, what do you feel like doing, you know? And so, like, the way that the husband leads in that kind of scenario is that they're always asking a wife what to make every decision, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. And so then, like, you know, what happens then is you basically train the wife to essentially be, like, accustomed and used to always getting to be the deciding voice in everything. And then it's just like, you know, when it comes to a situation where you really have a difference of opinion – 
like then you know you communicate that and then she doesn't handle it well then then what you're told by the evangelical leaders today is that you must be leading poorly right yeah <laughs> so it must be that you're doing something wrong because you know if you loved your wife like Christ loved the church what one wouldn't want to follow that so it's like well what am i doing wrong she doesn't want to follow me <laughs> it's like well, <laughs> well it's like well are you a leader or not you know and right. so like they must not know how it how it ended up for Jesus, you know. <laughs> well, right, right, right. It's like, you know, if that's just the necessary entailment of everything, what woman wouldn't want to follow Jesus? Well, the problem with that is they killed Jesus, right? right. So we all killed him. Right. <laughs> so he loved us like Jesus loved us, and we killed him. We put him to death, you know? So, like, it's not necessarily true that, you know, uh, if you love your wife like Jesus, she'll want to follow you. But here's the thing. So I think what, it, what obedience actually looks like is to comply with commands. But then in your standard relationship, you know, your husband isn't giving any commands. He isn't giving any direction. He isn't giving any instruction mm-hmm. at all. And the moment he does, like the moment he does, right? Inevitably, what's going to happen is like, how dare you, sir? You know, right. <laughs> who do you think you are asking me to clean up the house <laughs> while you're at work? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and normally it's it, like the thing is, it's worded in the nicest possible way, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, honey, uh, you know, you think you could maybe um, pick up a little bit? <laughs> <You know? sighs> Who do you think you are? You know, how dare you treat me like a child? You know, like right. in that, that is like, how dare you treat me like a child? And, you know, don't you know that I have all this stuff to do? And it's like, well, then, you know, well, what do you, what do you got to do, honey? You know, oh, you know, you don't know what my day is like <laughs> and everything else. But like, so the point though is just to say, like, what does obedience look like? What does God have in mind? Well, I do think God has in mind a husband who's much more active than your standard servant leader type who has some sort of direction, who has some sort of, you know, commands to give, uh, instructions to give, uh, whatever, you know, and they don't have to be like worded in some sort of caveman way, like, you know, woman go, you know, make me a sandwich or something like that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That's what people think, you know, when you think, you know, you know, are you giving your wife commands? Are you giving her instruction? Are you giving her things to do? Everyone goes there with it. But I mean, like, they, like you should be like, hey, honey, here's what I want. Um, you know, I'm going to work today. Like a perfectly natural thing would be, all right, you know, make sure that you, um, you know, uh, mail the packages, you know, <laughs> uh, make sure that you, uh, you know, make sure you, you know, we've, we've let the dishes go a little bit. Let's get the dishes clean today. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that we need to do is like, we're going to have company coming, coming over. And so, you know, make sure you're doing this or that or whatever else. And, and, um, uh, all that. And so, I mean, I just think that, uh, you know, hey, you know, and make sure you read your Bible today. I think that there should be like tangible instructions that are given. Like, like we have a Bible reading plan that we're going to follow. We have this or that. Like, here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure you, you know, have the kids uh, do their Bible reading today. Uh, like first thing when they wake up, you know, there's any number of things that you're going to give that's going to like be tangible directions. And these are commands that you're going to give. And like, uh, you know, you'll know the state of your marriage if submission or obedience is actually there is if you dare to give any kind of instruction or direction and you see what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. So. so are you kind of, so are you saying basically if husbands want, if husbands want to lead their wives uh, like Christ led, then the natural reaction is your wife should want to kill you? 
<laughs> Unless she has the spirit of God inside of her, right? <laughs> right, and, and right. Yeah, God I guess the apostles her. didn't want to kill Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah. Unless, I mean, but the thing is, like, yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. It, it's, it's, um, there are any number of scenarios you can find yourself in. So if you're married to an unbeliever, then, like, if you try to be a biblical leader, she will want to kill you and probably divorce you. Mm hmm. And that really isn't your fault, and you can't let her win. You know, as far as right. that goes, you have to, you have to keep on going. You right. know, but then you know if you're um, you know if you're in a scenario, I, I, like the reality is God's designed the world in such a way that He commands man to lead, and then He give, He equips him to lead, and He commands a woman to follow, and He equips her to follow. But then, because of the fall, there's a fundamental conflict that's introduced into the sexes where the men want to be passive, right? They want to let their wives drive them around. They want to let their wives tell them what to do. You know, they want to keep the the woman happy because she has all the cards. And, you know, most of it's about they want to have sex and she's the one who holds the keys to that. <laughs> uh-huh. right? And so they want to keep her happy and, you know, so that maybe they can have some hope of, you know, uh, uh, doing what they thought marriage was going to be about, you know, kind of yeah. thing. You know, but but mostly what you have is you have a bunch of passive men. And then, and, but then, like, the, the whole thing is that God has made, like, um, uh, has cursed you know the relationships in such a way that a woman's desire will be to master her husband fundamentally that's what her sinful heart will tell her but then the problem mm-hmm. is that if he lets her master him she'll despise him and she'll hate him and so that's that's the problem is that most guys think that the way to keep a happy wife is just to give her whatever you want but then when you do that she'll never want to have sex with you again mm-hmm. it's the problem it's because she you're emasculated in her eyes like because she, you're a she, beta well, right. basically, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, if you want to use the manosphere language. <laughs> oh man, to use no, scientific I mean, terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but essentially, like that's like a woman's looking for a man to like lead them, and that's why you know, like they always go with the you know, like the nice guys finish last kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, obviously, the nice guys finish last, and they always go with the guys who are trashy and. You know, treat her, treat him poorly because what they see in those guys is at least this guy isn't afraid of them and he's a leader, right? Now he may be a total self-centered leader, right? Mm-hmm. But all you are, you know, nice guy is just a follower, you know, who's not going to provide her any tangible direction, whatever. And that's why she doesn't look at you as if you're, you know, desirable to her. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that actually, um, part of your answer was essentially saying. Um, I think if, if I remember correctly, um, basically, basically saying, Hey, look, uh, we all obviously inherently reject God and everything that he's commanded. We rebel against him. And, and part of what that looks like for women is, um, instead of, instead of submitting to their husbands, their natural inclination is to want to rule over their husbands and in so doing they're rejecting something that God has commanded and that means that they're rebelling against him and have you know incurred um condemnation well, on themselves no one's themselves. happy when that happens right right, right. and and so the that, men aren't happy and the women aren't happy nobody's right? nobody's happy it, it doesn't work out well and and what that leads me to is a question that I, I actually don't have on my on my list here anywhere, but I, I was thinking about it earlier while you were talking, and it, essentially that question is, you know, for um, even any of the Christian women who might 
have the audacity to have continued listening past all of the the answers up to this point um is it is it wrong to say that that anyone who any woman who's rejecting this uh this command that god's given that wives should obey their husbands is it wrong to say that you know christian or not functionally they um they are rejecting what God has said to do if they refuse to obey their husband. And that should give them pause when it comes to how willing they are to actually obey God himself. Uh, should, should the re, should the idea that, um, you know, they might, they might not want to obey their husbands. Should that make them worried about their relationship with God? Like, Hey, if I'm not even willing to obey my husband, why in the world would I think that I'm willing to obey God who's given the command to obey my husband? Does, does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what Romans 13 says. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the, resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who will resist will incur judgment. But I would say that, in, in, in a lot of marriages, a lot of Christian marriages, um, there's there's a problem that like a woman absolutely like in most that she does not want to uh, submit and obey. She doesn't want to obey or submit in the meaning, actual meaning of the word submit. But then the problem is, like, and you know, you talk to a lot of ladies as it relates to this subject. The 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 follow up they say is submit to what. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> essentially so it's just like that he's not that what is he doing what does he ask me to do you know he comes home every day and you know watches tv or plays games or whatever else like what does he ask me to do he's not asking me to do anything there's mm-hmm. nothing to submit to there's functionally no leadership here right and i mean there's a kind of woman who might be saying that who wants like uh, has like you know um expectations that are maybe a bit unrealistic that, you know, the husband will come home and, you know, the only way he can be a faithful husband is to preach her an, an, an hour sermon saying all the things that she wants him to say in the order mm-hmm. that she wants him to order it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, but, but I mean, I think in the vast majority of situations, kind of what, what's really happening is you have a bunch of passive men who, you know, are really functionally not exercising much leadership in any way possible. And then the only exercise, the only kind of, you know, leadership there even remotely trying to is, hey, you know, the Bible tells us to have sex, you know, kind of thing. So it's a bit woman, you know, and it's just like, well, I think that's all you care about, dude. You know, so, yeah. so like there's no, so guys, you're not off the hook. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I mean, you know, if all you're doing is the servant leader thing where, you know, you basically just asking her opinion about, you know, what she wants to do in every single scenario, you know, you, you're, what are you doing to actually lead her? And like, so, Maybe you need to get started. Mm-hmm. And I would say, though, like once once um, here's the thing, once things go that way, right, and you develop a pattern uh, over a, you know, a substantial length of time of just doing that kind of thing. Just if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Let's figure out what she wants. <laughs> yeah. Because 
you know, I don't want to deal with the craziness that comes from not giving her what she wants kind of thing. You know, then what happens, though, is it it like it, it is a substantial adjustment that will occur the moment you start actually taking initiative and, you know, providing tangible direction in your home. It's like, well, who are you? Where have you been the whole time? It's like, well, forgive me. I've been a terrible husband. So let's start now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's going to get worse before it gets better, for sure. You know, right. it'll get worse before, and you're going to have to face it, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is a mess you created in part. You know, I, I'm not saying that all of that. I'm not saying that there's not scenario. Like, I, I think that there's a lie to say that there's some sort of scenario that like anytime, you know, a lady is resistant to her husband's leadership, it's all, you know, failures on his part. Uh, that's not true. But at the same time, uh, and like it, it's a mix of both, you know? Yeah. And they uh, should. For, uh, yep. And they, and they should. Husband should probably expect a period of time when you're trying to uh, correct these issues where maybe your wife does want to crucify you. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. I mean, but I think a woman who really wants to submit to her husband, like, you know, if that's the scenario. So there's different scenarios. If that, that kind of woman who really wants to submit to her husband. Now, I've talked to women like that, you know, and they mm-hmm. say, yeah, but he's not leading me in any way. You know, there's nothing to submit to. It's just like, well, like, honey, this isn't all that hard to, to think about, right? Mm-hmm. Like what to do. Like, I, I, I want to believe you that that's just, you know, you would love to submit to him, you know. Um, but then like, just start asking him, like if you're in that scenario, just start asking him, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, um, you know, husband, what do you think we should do about this scenario? You know, what do you yeah. think we should do about this scenario? Because I want to follow you, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not saying it's all up to her to fix the relationship. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that like, if you're in that scenario, like, um, you can make it real hard for a guy to lead or you can make it easy, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and, you know, like, and then on the other end, it's like, she won't listen to anything I'm saying. Well, it's like, well, you know, why don't you, you, why don't you pray for her? And why don't you start, you know, asking her to do things? Like, just keep at it, you know, yeah ask her to do things that, you know, she should have no, um, problem doing it. Pick battles that are not just obviously self-motivated, you know, mm-hmm. like make, pick the right battles, you know, and just stick, stick to your guns, you know, Hey, we're going to go to church every week. I'm going to expect you to go to church every week. You know, come hell or high water, we're going to go to church every week. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not sleeping in anymore. We're going to go to church every week. So, you know, start the, start there at the spiritual things and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Like, um, and and then, you know, if it's like, hey, you're just being selfish, it's like, how in the world is that selfish? <laughs> you know, there's nothing selfish about that, you know? So, you know, if that makes sense. But yeah. anyways. Um, so, so should women, you know, in keeping with this, topic of what what exactly does uh you know a wife obeying her husband look like you know um i okay so i uh drive a school bus as one of the jobs that i do and so you know obviously i I work with children um for a few hours out of most days and one of the things i've noticed is uh very few of them really want to do what i say they would rather do whatever they want to do. And when I, when I tell them to do something, they typically get frustrated and, you know, normally they don't do what I ask them to do. And, um, if they do, if they do actually obey, you know, what I've told them to do, whether it's, you know, sit down or stop, you know, stop yelling or whatever it is, 
they typically do it with kind of a begrudging attitude, right? They're, they're, they're going to do it, but they're not happy about it. Um, so <clears throat> with this kind of topic, you know, we're, we're talking about really the, the same idea, like they, uh, wives should be obeying their husbands, you know, like my students should be obeying me when it, when it comes to riding on the bus. Right. And, um, so the question ultimately is, uh, in obeying their husbands, should the wives, um, you know, actually like in their hearts be happy to obey their husbands or, or is it fine to just basically say, Hey, you know what? I don't like the way it is, but it is the way it is. So I've just got to do it. Um, is, is it better for the wife to say, Hey, no, I actually am, am glad and joyful to, uh, to receive commands from my husband and then obey them to the best of my ability. One of the things that's funny here. Okay. So, uh, if you think about Hebrews 13, seven, 17, it says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. And it says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, like the idea of let them do this with joy and not with, uh, groaning uh essentially don't make it hard you know don't don't do it with a bad attitude yeah. make it be a source of joy make it instead of groaning but notice how you know every every authority relationship what is the same words that come up obey your leaders submit to them right yeah that's the same word in every case yeah and so um but you know i think there's two um there's 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 two components to obedience. One component is to do like the external behavior, and then there's a second component, which is to have a heart that uh, longs to obey. Essentially, mm-hmm. so I I think um, I don't know if it was um, I think it's Piper who's always talking about the motive mattering, the motive matter like you know desiring God and all yeah. that, right? Yeah. I can't remember who gave this scenario, but someone gave a scenario of like a child, basically um, like a parent telling a child, you know, sit down on the chair and, uh, you know, be quiet or whatever. Right. And then the child like is sitting down on the, uh, on the, or just sit down on the chair, you know, and the child's sitting on the chair and looks up at the adult and says, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside, you know, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> In other words, you know, I'm only doing this because you're commanding me to, but I really hate that you or you have the audacity or dare to tell me to do this. I mean, that that kind of thing is not the kind of thing that honors God. But at the, at the end of the day, I mean, there's 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 two components, right? So uh, there's there's the external and the internal, and it'd be far better for you to you know hold you know hold your nose, grit your teeth and do the right thing, then mm-hmm. it would be just to say, like to throw your hands up in the air and say, you know, you know what? You know, like if I'm not going to be able to do this with a good attitude, then forget it. Right. <laughs> you know? So yeah. like, why not? I mean, so, so the point there is just to say that I think sometimes in life you have to obey with a bad attitude long enough to where you can get to where you obey with a good attitude. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works. Right. Uh, so there's no virtue in obeying with a good a- I mean there's no like you know it's not as if like this is uh, like it's great to obey with a bad attitude but you know wh- what do you do you say Lord forgive me my horrible attitude help me obey with a good attitude I'm gonna do what my husband says you know mm-hmm. um, I don't like it but you know 
instead of just focusing on how much I hate this and how much I despise this and how much I detest this, I need to be reminded that, you know, you're going to hold my husband accountable for the decisions that he makes and not me. And so I pray for him that you are merciful to him and compassionate. And I think the more that, you know, wives could actually pray for their husbands in those moments instead of feeling frustrated and have, you know, and realize that like, Lord, like you're going to hold them to a stricter judgment than me. And I'm scared for him. And I pray that you would, Mm -hmm. you know, be merciful to him and, and, um, you know, forgive him for he knows not what he does, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, the more that you do that, the more that you soften your heart. And it's not just this, like, I'm not getting my way. I'm going to scream on the inside kind of thing and just be frustrated. It's like, just you know, get your eyes off yourself and think about what's actually happening here. But yeah, I think there's, two, there's obviously two components there. There's the external and the internal. And for the obedience to be complete, it needs to be both. But, you know, I, there's no kind of scenario where it's just like, you know, people think, people think, well, you know, if I, if I don't want to do it and I do it anyways, then that's being a hypocrite, right? Because it's inauthentic and right. I'm not living my truth and all that. And it's like, no, that's, that's what you call being a, like, that's what you call integrity, <laughs> right? Integrity is doing the right thing even when you don't want to. That's integrity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then like God can cleanse your heart to such a way that you, you love well, what is good and you hate what is evil. Yeah. And that's what you should be praying for him to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, another kind of application question, um, you know, obviously we're talking about, uh, husbands are pretty much, you know, they're commanded essentially to be making the decisions for the family ultimately, you know, and, um, and that way they would be leading their family. So does that mean that, you know, wives should never be included in the decision-making process. If if wives are going to obey this command from God to obey their husbands, does that mean they're essentially barred from uh, helping make decisions by God? So a husband could never go to his wife and say, "Hey, here's the situation. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the decision." But what do you what do you think? Is that essentially off limits now? No. Uh, well, let me give a qualified no. Okay. 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 I want to give a qualified no. Um, if a husband is the leader of his home, what that means is that I think in the vast majority of scenarios, like if he's leading, like, so part, part of what's happened is like with the whole like submission idea, like you get rid of the idea of obedience, you get rid of like, this is a, like a real authoritative relationship in any way. And it's just like a tiebreaker and real big scenario kind of thing. What you what you don't have in that kind of arrangement is a natural day to day expectation of tangible commands or leadership or direction within a home. Does that make sense? Yeah. So basically, you have kind of what big moment submission, but then most of it's just laissez faire. Does that make sense? Yeah. Free for all kind of thing. All right. So, but in a in a healthy like biblical home, there's going to be like, you know, twenty commands a day. <laughs> Kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. They're just a normal part of, you know, leadership that like would happen with any, you know. So like just imagine you're at a work scenario, right? Where uh, the boss comes in and like, All right, here's what we're doing today, guys, right? Mm-hmm. All right so we, we got to, you know, uh, we need to, you know, 20, 
a hundred computers to go out today. You know, you, you're assigned to this, you're assigned to this, you're assigned to this. Uh, we need to make sure that we, uh, are, you know, doing all the testing we need to do and everything else. Like that's being a leader. Right. And, and we understand that in the secular way, like yeah. with the boss, a boss comes in and he says, here's what's happening. And, it, you know, let's execute the plan. You know, you, you understand that in a basketball team, you know, here's the plan we're doing, guys. All right. You know, and like all that leadership involves a lot, a lot of instructions. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's no way that. All right, guys. Well, what do you think we should do today? Huh? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's have a little powwow. Well, what do you think, guys? Do you think we should um, do layup drills or, you know, do suicides? Uh, what do you think? What do you think? You know, uh, I think we should like, rest today. <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to just like, you know, go out there and just free for all, you know, like, what what do you think? You know, like whatever's happening there, it's not a coach, right? And it's not a leader. Mm-hmm. It's not leadership. And so I think within a normal home, one of the things that should be happening is that there should be a lot of just tangible. Here's the plan. Here's what we're doing today. Here's the here's here's the goal. Here's here's our plan for the day. Here's what we're doing kind of stuff that I mean, that should just be the natural state of affairs right Mm -hmm. to but then i don't think that like you know that when you're executing that standard kind of plan really like if you're if at every single point like you know you're you're the basketball coach on the team and like you're you know your players are basically looking at you and saying well do you think this is the best idea to do layups before we do um uh, to do layups before we do uh, sprints today or you know do you think or you think sprints before layups is good to do and don't you think we should be scrimmaging a little bit more and Mm -hmm. you know I feel like we've been lacking in scrimmaging lately and (laughs) and you know we don't have enough free time during our practices where we can just kind of practice the things that are unique to us and you know if every time you're kind of exercising leadership it turns into some sort of discussion right at some point, it's just like, "Hey, we got to make a plan, okay? <laughs> like, like, uh, like this is not a significant, like, this is not a morally significant. These are not morally significant things, right? Right. Like, like, what order we do? Like, you know, do we do Bible study first, you know, in the day, or do we do like a lot of that stuff is just stuff that doesn't need to be discussed. And if you're having to discuss literally every decision you make in order to live with your wife in an understanding way, there's a sense in which it's like you, you have a like a leader follower problem that's on your hands. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I, I think like if a husband and wife, uh, what, one of the things that they should do to mitigate, like what should happen, I think, is like in 99% of the scenarios, a wife should just be following. But like like her impulse is just to follow. And one of the questions she should be asking at that point is, is like, is this, is this worth having like – it's just so significant of a problem that we have to discuss it right now you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. And if I have to discuss it every time, it, like, am I really all that submissive? Right. Right. So there's that. But I think what I, what I think the husband should be doing is like having regular times within the home where like everything's on the table. Right. So one of the things that my wife and I have done over the years is what's called a conference table. And it's just a time where we get together and say, Hey, what's going on with the relationship and let's discuss things. Right. And so one of the things that you, you know, like a weekly thing, you say, hey, what's, what, how are we doing? You know, what, what's, what needs to change? And, you know, and I think that's like those moments are the moments where you discuss 
you know, how the routine's going and how the plans are going. And it's like, hey, I want to hear what you have to say. What do you think can be improved upon? What do you think we're doing poorly? What do you think we can do wiser, you know, kind of thing? What mm-hmm. do, you have, do you have any concerns? But what, what doesn't need to be happening is on a day-to-day basis, it's like, you know, all right, honey, uh, you know, like, like you're in the middle of the parking lot and you're trying to park. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, honey, don't you think we should park at that closer parking spot over there? Or, you know, it's like, well, no, I don't. Like, we're right. I'm I'm pulling into this one right here. And it's like, but don't, isn't it nicer to, it's like, yeah, but I'm not trying to get in a wreck and run over someone because we're having <laughs> a discussion right now. <laughs> like, don't you love me? You know, you're not living with me. And it's like, no, honey, this is not the moment, you know, <laughs> we'll talk about parking strategies, you know, later, you know, but this is not the moment uh, for but so so i think that like there should be some regular time like where you do discuss things and particularly when you have like big decisions to make that's where it's just like you you know you may discuss them for a few weeks not all day long every day but you have a time you're pointed where it's like hey this is discussion time let's do it kind of thing if that makes sense but uh so yeah no i think absolutely a good leader is going to i think a good leader is gonna say like I think a good leader is going to take a lot of initiative and it's going to run a play. And I think if at every point you're trying to run a play, right, it, you have to discuss it. It's like, hey, you, we need to chill, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let me run, let me run the play. We'll we'll review it later. Like nothing. Like you know, this is just uh, this is this is not a moral. Most of them are not moral, you know. If that makes sense, kind yeah. of things are just huge things. So is that helpful? Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. Um. So there's obviously going to be a lot of pushback to this idea. We, we've stated that ad nauseum at this point. Um, but one of the ways we can kind of mitigate against that is there's obviously there's going to be a lot of um, assumptions made. And there's going to be a lot of people who point to examples of poor leadership from a husband and, and basically use those examples to try and you know, nullify or, or neuter um, the things that we're saying and, and push back against them, trying to prove that they're actually not true, what we're saying. And, and so why don't you just take some time to um, maybe dispel some of those arguments by just talking about what exactly uh, a wife obeying their husband does not look like? What does it not look like according to Scripture? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, that objection, you know, I think uh, that objection of, hey, you know, well, this sounds dangerous and this sounds, you know, this could be abused. Like I've been, um, I've been teaching on the subject long enough to know that that's just kind of a standard thing that people throw out. Um, you know, women will even throw that out, you know, at church, like as you're teaching, you know, Hey, Hey, this sounds dangerous. This should be abused and, Mm -hmm. and everything else. And, and I think anytime, like, like men will do it too, which is one of the things that's really funny. Like, I mean, I've been in any number of scenarios where I just talk about authority relationships in just a straightforward way. I talk about the rules of how authority relationships work. And the more that a person talks talks about authority relationships, the more suspicious people really get. And it's just like, because I just don't think they have a category for what authority relationships actually are. Uh, you know, at my last church, I preached a sermon once because it was next, it, we were going through First Peter and like the title of of the sermon when we were going through First Peter is Wives Obey Your Husbands, Right. And 
<laughs> I'm sure had, everyone was very appreciative. <laughs> <laughs> we had people that would stop, like we put our sermon titles on the marquee and we had people drive by and like uh, take pictures of it laughing, you know, <laughs> like uh, that the, the we'd have, the, and we had people calling and, and complaining and everything else. It was really funny. I, I almost wondered if we were going to get like a news article written on it, but um, <laughs> But uh, no, I, I think, yeah, what does it not mean? What is it? Uh, yeah, I think that there's like, there's obviously a kind of person who wants to say, well, because this is can be can be abused, like you said, therefore don't do it. But that's I mean, everything can be abused. Like the, the question is not it, it can it be abused. Everything can be abused. Mm-hmm. Right. It, and it can be abused in every single direction. So and it doesn't really, like, you know, if, if in a matriarchal society that we're living in right now, that matriarchal authority is being abused, right? Yeah. It's abused. So like the issue is it, it, it whoever in charge, it can be abused. That's the point. But God obviously has made uh, authority relationships and, and they, you know, uh, our, the way we submit to those reflects something about how we relate with God as well. But yeah, I, obviously they can be abused. I think that the, there's um, many. Um, I, I think that there have been many men in uh, when when America was more of a patriarchal situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that this is happening on mass right now. We're just like uh, we are dealing with the specter of the past or something along those lines. But I think that there's many men in patriarchal kind of uh, you know in the patriarchal relationships of the past who essentially thought of submission as basically. You know, do whatever I say, no matter what I say, without a word, don't, mm-hmm. you know, almost like a woman need to be seen and not heard thing. Don't ever challenge me. Don't ever, you know, rebuke me. You know, in, in those kind of contexts, you often have like people who are asking, you know, is it OK for a woman to, you know, um, rebuke her husband? Is that appropriate or is that not very submissive? Is it OK for a, wo- a woman to, you know, ask her husband questions about the decisions he's making. And I think that, you know, that, that, um, that kind of like self-centered leadership that doesn't want any input, that doesn't want any suggestions, that's basically just do what I say and shut up, you know, kind of thing, uh, is, a, is, um, is a real problem. But I, I would say it's a, it's a, it's a real problem, but I don't know that that's really anymore what's happening on the ground what's happening on the ground right now is the exact opposite is basically do what the woman says or she'll scream you know right without question without challenge and don't you know it's the opposite because it's like men are absolutely afraid to be rebuke women right you think yeah, you the pendulum's committed a, kind of swung to the opposite exactly, end of the spectrum right right like you know you like the the standard male today in this society is just deathly terrified to ever disagree with a woman you know it's just yeah. insane you know like and so but all that can be true in the reverse as well and i mean i know of some you know um relationships that are like that where the pig-headed male just basically just you know uses like husband wife authority basically just to you know deal with his wife harshly dominate his wife you know have a you know submissive kind of slave that does whatever he says and and basically without question and you know basically what he's doing is enforcing his selfish will upon everyone so i i, I don't think a, a godly leader is going to be the type of guy who is looking at his authority uh in such a way that is self-centered or self-serving and you know as i tried to lead my own family that's something that um 
I've constantly, well, I've, I've said to my wife over the years, I've just said, Hey, look, you know, um, I don't ever want to use my authority just to get my own selfish way. And if I do that, I want you to call me on it, mm-hmm. but I'm committed, I'm committed to not doing that. And I think if you look at the testimony of the way I actually lead, you can see that I'm not doing that at all. You know, like that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and I'm, cause I'm, I'm committed to not doing that. And, you know, I, I don't want to ever ask you to do something like, or use my authority to command you to do something that is not something that God says. It's just something I want, you know, like, like, like I want to have a, a biblical reason. I'm going to tell you the biblical reason why I'm doing that. But then that means that, you know, if a man's going to do that kind of thing, he actually has to actually know what the Bible says, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and that's the problem is that I think a lot of men don't know the Bible, so they don't even know what they should be commanding. And then mm-hmm. what comes out is just kind of a list of selfish preferences, you know? Right. And so that's the problem. Um, but uh, whatever that is, it doesn't undermine the basic point, you know, God's mm-hmm. designed it to be the way it is and... Yeah, but I would say that you know a husband obviously can't ask his wife to sin, and mm-hmm. um, and, a, and a husband I would say he can't ask his wife to do things that are beyond his authority to do either. Like what? So, What's an example of that? Well, yeah, I'll give you an absurd example just to prove a point. But um, let's say that uh, a wife, a husband, were to you know ask his wife to sleep in a cage every night. <laughs> Like with a dog collar on her neck, just to show that she's under his authority, right? Uh huh. Would that be a sin for her to do that? Um, no, I guess I guess not. I mean, is there anything in the Bible that says that that can't be her bed? You know? Uh, I guess not. I mean, you may make an argument, you know, like the marriage bed or something like that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I mean, like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, a husband can, like, do absurd things like that that mm-hmm. may not, that they're just like, hey, you know, that's not within your authority as a leader. Um, it, it, you know, I, I mean, even something like stupid, like, uh, you know, like, you know, in our house, um, the only color that you're allowed to wear is red kind of thing or something like that. That is the only color. At some point, I think that kind of guy, I, I don't know that those kind of guys exist. I, I, there are guys who are doing things, not maybe to that extreme, but uh, yeah, there there are some out there, you know, the, there's, the world has enough people. But I mean, mm-hmm. I think in, in a scenario like that, it's like, hey, do you have a, really have the authority to tell me what colors to wear? Like, I'm only allowed to wear this color mm-hmm. every day. It's the only color. I, I have to wear the same outfit every single day, you know, like this is... <laughs> What what is this about? Is this about the Bible or is this about just you're being a megalomaniac, you know? Yeah. At this point. And so I think um, those are uh, just some silly examples of things that, uh, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I think, you know, with related to the pandemic and, and, and stuff, we, we need to have a, you know, some sort of understanding of what the government is actually allowed to do too, right? Mm-hmm. So is the government allowed to tell us what we have to put in our body? Is that was it designed by God to do that? Do we just in some simplistic way say obey the governing authorities, whatever they say? They tell us we have to put these chemicals in our body that might harm us. It's like, well, okay, well, I guess we better do it because they say so, even though they're not tested and whatever else. I mean, if the government were to step in and say, hey, every house has to, you know, have Taco Tuesday every week, you know, it's like, 
really? Do you have the authority to tell us what to cook <laughs> on which day of the yeah. week? You know, and I think in, in, in a certain sense, like, like there's God's given a husband a sphere of authority and part of like he could just, you know, go well beyond that sphere of authority, like um, with some of the decisions that he would make, like in that he's just, you know, commanding irrational, unreasonable things, you know? Yeah. Like, like, honey, you know, I want you to, you know, work out four hours a day. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> And homeschool, you know, all the kids and, uh, you know, everything else because, you know, body's the temple and all that, you know. So four, four hours of working out a day, I want you to get up at two in the morning every day and work out till six and here's your schedule. And at some point you're just like, hey, sorry, no, you know, I can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is beyond what you're, you're commanded to do here, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, an- another pushback that I, I've seen from a lot of people who really don't agree with us is they argue that um, – in order for what we're saying to be true, it has to mean that uh, women are now um, you know, uh, less than men, right? They'll they'll use words like inferior or less valuable or you know less capable or you know how however they word it a lot of different ways, but ultimately they end up having a problem with the idea um, that that women need to submit and they say that it is somehow devaluing women. So what's your response to an objection like that? And basically are women inferior Does submission, make women inferior to me. Yeah. 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 Well, (laughs) inferior is one of those words that has multiple meanings, (laughs) which is the problem. So uh, to be inferior is like, there's one, you know, there's a meaning of the word inferior that is essentially to be lower in rank or station or degree. And in that way, are women inferior to men? Well, the fact that they're in an authority relationship, they're lower in rank or station than their husbands. So are they, does submission make them inferior? Well, yes, in terms of that definition of the word, but then often like inferior communicates to people less important or valuable or worthy or something like that. In which case, like, are are women inferior in, you know, stipulated term B, you know, sense, less valuable? No, right? So everyone's equally valuable or uh, in the eyes of God as far as that Mm -hmm. goes, right? So everyone's equally human, uh, but there are authority relationships that are there. And so, yes, like in terms of the authority relationship itself, the husband is a superior to an inferior related to authority, but not related to value or worth or whatever else. And so, so I think sometimes when people say that they're they're speaking better than they know, right? What do like, you mean? and that's the very well, that's the very thing that's the sticking point. It's like I refuse to obey or submit because that makes me feel like a subordinate. And it's like, well, you are, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so get used to it, right? Like, yeah. Just accept it. That's the way it is. Just like a cadet is a subordinate to a commanding officer. Just like, you know, church members are subordinate to church leaders, like in Mm -hmm. that way, just like citizens are subordinate to kings, you know, all of that. Like, yes, that's the way it works. If you feel that, like you feel like there's an imbalance in authority, it's because there is. Yes, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the way it works. But then like like that doesn't, that shouldn't dehumanize you. Like you're not less valuable intrinsically, you know, in terms of worth or anything else. Like if it does, like, I mean, I like we're all you know, subordinate to Christ, aren't we? <laughs> yes. 
And so if that makes us feel somehow less than, you know, we're cutting off any hope of salvation we have for ourselves in thinking that way. Right. I mean, like, like there's, um, like God's designed authority relationships for our good. They're not for evil. Like they're not to do us harm mm-hmm. as far as that goes. So, so, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a good place for us to, um, wrap up this discussion. I think there's some more questions that can be asked that we'll probably do in some midweek episodes, but as a, you know, main episode, I feel like we've had a, a pretty good conversation and, and hopefully this is kind of a, uh, encouraging conversation um, for a lot of people who would agree with what the Bible is saying here. And and then, you know, for others who might have gone into this episode and disagreed, but been patient enough to listen to everything that uh, you and I have to say, hopefully, um, hopefully they can, they've kind of been convinced that, Hey, maybe, maybe the way that I've been viewing all this is, has not been correct and and I've been disobedient to what God has said and and so uh you know that's our hope anyways is that this is a helpful conversation um for you guys and and so um so I think this has been good and and we want to thank all you guys for listening and um we'll see you guys next time this has been another episode of Bible Bashed we hope you've been encouraged and blessed through our discussion We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.